Welcome to the 11th hour, a podcast where we will talk about a variety of topics. Today, in our first episode, I, Adi, will be joined by Anant and Pranav in discussing the 2021 F1 season. Let's head over to the podcast. So guys, what a season it was. The season truly was a roller coaster. The whole season from yeah, the start to the end. We couldn't really make out who was on top. What do you have to say, Adi? But it caused me depression and it made me happy. Simple. Um, <laughs> I mean, for me, I think it's pretty... There's a lot of unpack in the season, basically. <laughs> it, it kept me guessing yeah. till the end, which is exciting, considering <laughs> my fascination with F1 that started this year. Yeah. Yeah, this season truly hooked on a lot of people to the sport. Uh, with the two top contenders keeping the race um, level-headed, even in the final, uh, coming into the final race, it was a true battle for the championship. So, yeah. how do we start off talking about the season? I think we should start right at the beginning with pre-season and what our reactions were. Of, I mean, it's quite different from the actual season. Like pre-season was it did tell us a lot about what would happen but some things were quite different yeah for example agree more. We, yeah for example like mercedes the champions of this hybrid era they actually were pretty much at the back end of the grid yeah like their car really was in pre-season. very bad yeah. lack of drivability bottas having gearbox issues I mean, all of these issues just coupled. They, I, I think they were even the, uh, the team with the least number of uh, t- laps run, right, Adi? Yeah. Uh, yeah, because half of the time, either the car was stuck in the garage getting fixes or it was in the gravel traps because they could not find the click that they required. But thankfully for them, they found that click in the races. But apart from that, if you look at the, another team, Aston Martin, second least amount of racing laps and let's remember when aston martin was announced to be returning to f1 it was hype as to uh, like to levels that i cannot imagine but if you look at it sebastian vettel he set this uh, lowest time of 133 around bahrain which normally is horrific and i think even the horses beat that time in the grand prix yeah yeah so, I mean, talking about the teams which were overly hyped, one team which was actually hyped and did deliver was Red Bull. They, in Definitely fact, had a half a second advantage over the rest of the grid in terms of short run paces, uh, short, short runs. And, and they I didn't have both, any major problems with the car. Yeah, both drivers were pretty happy with their handling. Yeah. One fact was... And one himself did fabulous. Fastest lap. Mm-hmm. Yeah. One fact with and the Red Bulls that surprised me was if you've seen anyone who's followed um, F1 through this turbo hybrid era, uh, Red Bull have always been the team that after the mid-season break, towards the end of the season, seemed to have the fastest or the second fastest car. But the fact that in the start itself, they seem to be the fastest car, we kind of saw it coming that we would have a championship battle. To some people, even saying that Hamilton's time was done and this would just be a one-man show with Verstappen taking the championship. 
true yeah true. that's true. a good point yeah hmm. i mean and that's a neat had... conclusion yeah and even mostly said a lot to work with that car after i think the 12 days after pre season they had quite a bit to work on their car to get it ready yeah. for and speaking of work has did almost no work on the car this season and instead chose to devote all the resources and limited budget towards the 2022 cars so they didn't upgrade the cars at all which made them actually look worse compared to the previous years but this actually can be attributed to them not uh, you know upgrading the cars and the other teams actually upgrading it so their performance was actually relative to the field but not bad as compared to the previous years i yeah. completely agree one fact that everyone keeps forgetting is i think throughout until monaco um mazepin was actually using the 2019 chassis because we all knew what happened to grosjean's chassis in 2020 so it was a very it was actually a very big achievement that um the slowest times weren't set by a haas during pre-season testing for one lap pace that is Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, Haas by definition squeezed out the most out of every dollar they had. I, I don't the... think anyone can disagree with that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay, I think now we can move on to the new tracks, the three new tracks, Jeddah, the sale and Randwood. Uh, Jeddah, so, let's start with that. <laughs> Jeddah. I mean, more the Monaco with Monza speeds. Yeah, One so of... many blind corners. I mean, the crash paradise. <laughs> exactly. Ironically, because it's kind of like the cheap, cheap man's replica yeah, of true, the crash paradise. That that honor does go to Monaco usually. <laughs> the yeah. fact that we saw a red flag for the Haas crashing, then on the restart we saw another red flag because. of the crash that took place um on the straight after turn 1 was not only hilarious but concerning actually because you rarely see those kind of crashes in um the states we normally see in monaco somewhere around um the corners we'll uh, we'll see the crashes maybe at the chicane out of the tunnel but the fact that on the states we saw a crash i believe it took out a williams a haas a red bull and i think the ferrari suffered some damage out of it but yeah at those speeds a crash the fact that drivers actually survived was a very big thing for the fia safety not reg- not only regulations but how the teams are now investing in safety because we need to remember these guys are going at like 300 kilometers per hour plus so that's yeah. a big thing and yeah 300 kilometers per hour into blind corners just putting the car into the next corner with as much momentum as possible yeah but the main takeaways of these race was like massy and red bulls deal or no deal i mean more than regulation and anything it was just comical how a race director it was just making a deal with a team and the way he conducted himself yeah i think massy has had his moments of incompetence but really jeda just showed us what we knew at a new level first of all um we had obviously the safety car to red flags condition which obviously yeah that's not really bad on massy's part because he needed to see what damage was there but um after that 
well before the restart we saw that um there was this as pranav said the deal or no deal for those viewers of ours who didn't uh, watch the saudi arabian grand prix essentially max did what max does and had an aggressive overtake on hamilton which um some even me believe that was off track as such his overtake so according to regulations i mean the regulations clearly state that was off track limits so yeah but let's i, mean, I do not wish to be killed by the max fans so <laughs> um yeah Uh, yeah. but then we saw that ocon actually came from in front so masi literally approached uh, um christian horner on the fia radio saying that um christian um we want to put max behind hamilton and are you guys okay with that or do we need to involve the stewards this isn't something he is at the end of the day the race director it is he who makes the decisions apart from the stewards and i seriously think the fact that he asked the team can we do this like yeah you have to put him behind but asking the team just doesn't make sense what if the racing still went on would you still have your deal or no deal situation kind of what were I your mean, views i mean more than all of this it clearly shows that a race director should be firm with his decision it's not like a negotiation as such his his say is should be final even if it's wrong it should be final and should be you know evaluated or appealed after the, after the race there should be no negotiations with the teams and i think one yeah, thing with, think which the fa has done i think one of the only seen a negotiation take place exactly like, of course there's appeals and other sport but that happens well after the the mm-hmm. race or the match or whatever it is gets over yeah and and kudos to the fa to actually recognize that this is an issue and that and i believe they are cutting communications between team principals and the race uh, race directing team from next year onwards so that's a step towards the right direction but what has happened at jeda with the race direction shouldn't have happened and obviously the other thing was ocon's heartbreak well Bottas overtook him. Yeah, I mean, sure, Mercedes day. power, engine power, nothing that Ocon could do. Honestly, oh, everyone yeah. who knows me right now is just imagining me grinning because, for those guys who don't know, my favorite driver is Bottas. So the fact that he overtook at the end of the got the podium, great for me. But honestly, I felt really bad for Ocon because he did not put a single step wrong in the race. it wasn't that he went off track and overtook everyone to get the first position in the first restart he did a lot uh, to keep his position and it was really heartbreaking but then again i was celebrating like hell yeah i mean that's what racing is about right completely yeah. i think another notable point was the aston martins both of them qualified with after williams yeah after yeah. williams I mean, yeah. Again, for those people who did That's not watch the Saudi Arabian GP, it wasn't the Williams of Russell. It was the Williams of Latifi, a guy who has been accused time and time again of just being there because of his sponsors. So it was a very funny slash humiliating thing for Aston Martin, which was a team that, in Lauren Stroll's own word, would be a championship contender and best of the rest this season. to qualify behind them. 
yeah, yeah was- i think we're actually spending too much time on a circuit which shouldn't uh which shouldn't get, have such so uh so much of a highlight because honestly there's too many things which are wrong about the circuit one circuit which is act- which is actually fun to drive according to drivers was the sale but more than fun to drive it was it didn't provide a very exciting race it did however give a good two stop uh, race strategy which is something we saw after a long time so I, think, i think i think all the drivers agree that it was one of their favorite circuits to drive on i think that's true yeah. with most um if we look at motor gp tracks because if we look at uh, the catalonian track which is also a motor gp track the fact at the end of the day is it's very fun to ride as a driver but for racing standards we need to look at this losel was built for motor gp which is a motor bike race so already we had the width of the track being less and then again the cornerings for bikes and cars are very different because bikes have two wheels and cars have four so apart yeah. from that the fact that they got the paddocks ready was a very um i don't know it was very impressive in my eyes because if anyone has not seen a moto gp race um essentially the paddocks there are crammed because they are built for motorbikes they aren't built for these long f1 cars so the fact that they could actually like get all of that ready and it was in a very good state compared to some other tracks was really impressive for me mm-hmm. yeah and the curves which were possible for f1 cars actually for it, it was it was brilliant because all the drivers instead of how they usually just outrageous driving off the actual track i think the the horrible curves that like destroy the wheels actually force them to race between the lines yeah i mean for once for once they're actually forced by the track itself and not the race director to drive within the white lines so that is a nice sight to see I think yeah. we all will remember Losel but I'm pretty sure Fernando Alonso fans are going to remember Losel for his shock podium. Let's remember that his last podium was in Hungary and I believe I don't remember Seven but it was years before ago. yeah it was before Verstappen even started racing. So that's wow. a very big thing the fact that he's come back got a podium and well it was Alpine's second podium of the year. We all know the first. Exciting exactly after Ocon Let's move on to our new world champions home, second home race as such. Zandvoort. Yeah. I mean two highlights. I mean Zandvoort circuit as such wasn't that great for overtaking because of the high speed or medium corners yeah, and also Yeah, I mean and also the track layout made it really hard for the drivers to follow after turn 1 so after sector 1 it was really hard for drivers to keep up so overtaking really hard at the circuit yeah i mean a good example is was safran and hamilton i mean after the first pit stop i think there's, there's, there's no there's no chance for hamilton to even pass the first lap and I mean, he kept him at bay the entire race it was Yeah. I mean the only way he could have passed was if the tire degradation was high but we did see it was high but not high enough for Hamilton to pass so nothing that Hamilton could do and just Verstappen cruising to victory I think the two highlights for us at Zandvoort would be obviously for the first time in a long time we actually saw bank corners coming back in such a degree 
and i think the second was the amount of orange smoke everyone saw after <laughs> westhaven crossed the finish line yeah i mean yeah. certain drivers even were want to over the radio that they they should be careful on the last straight because of the smoke but i guess guys we spent a lot of time talking about the track let's talk about the new guys who entered f1 this year the rookie yeah the rookie yeah. <laughs> the fun part we had three rookies this season mazepin schumacher and sonoda i mean everybody's views what would you say on okay, who was the best i think we can all agree that mazepin is the worst rookie f1 has had in a long time at least in my memory i mean yeah. his performance was pretty abysmal i mean consistently being bringing the bringing up the rare of the grid so yeah safe to say worst rookie Yeah, well, I, think I think the fact that Schumacher did pretty well. Yeah, the fact that Mazepin was the only driver on the grid to not enter Q2 was a very shocking thing for me because yes, you can say the Haas car was horrific at best and abysmal at worst, but you still had Schumacher who was also a rookie, also in the same car, who made it into P2 I think two to three times. I'm not sure. So yeah, I mean, was... Schumacher outperformed Mazepin easily, but if you look at it through the eyes of the Haas management, I, I think Mazepin played a much more important role because one, he brought in money, and two, he didn't crash that often and seriously, so he didn't take away money from 2022 development. So that is one downside of uh, Schumacher. He crashed a lot. In fact, bringing up the highest damage bill with I think over three million pounds. Yeah, that was his crash total. Yeah, I so think that really one way, one way we could just compare Mazepin's and Schumacher's crashes. Mazepin crashed a lot, but it by crash I mean most of the time it was a spin or something else. We made yeah, fun yeah. of rookie Mazepin. mistakes. Yeah, but rookie Schumacher you had here. Um, I mean, half he of the time. Ta- yeah, ha- yeah, the only time we saw Mazepin Mazepin out qualify, um, Schumacher was. times where schumacher essentially destroyed his car in fp3 so he couldn't participate in qualifying and the fact is if you as a driver can't enter into qualifying because of crash in free practice that's already bad because that shows how much damage there was i think yeah. anyone who saw the saudi arabian grand prix we literally could see the ferrari engine that was in the haas because the um side pods were so damaged and they were essentially ripped off from the car after the crash i, I mean i mean to sum it up some the uh, comparison between the two drivers mazepin was consistently below schumacher and schumacher had very low lows and okay highs but if you look at it from a money perspective schumacher costed a lot and mazepin yeah. brought more money in and didn't r- rake up such a high um damage bill and coming to our last rookie who i think is safe to say is the best rookie that we had this season sonoda great preseason but um a disappointing i think at best a disappointing season overall the only highlights was maybe a bit of glimpses of talent yeah i think compared to like his teammate at alfatori he didn't perform as well as we could have hoped for i mean it is it is a bit disappointing he had a good car but his performance just didn't really hit the mark yeah 
for me it's I very mean, hard to um look at sonoda as such because one problem is yes if you compare him to pierre gasly abysmal but how much of that is the car not being up to mark and gasly just being an absolute legend in that car we've obviously seen him win in the alpha tauri in 2020 but then again you need one thing we need to one thing everyone i think forgot after the abu dhabi grand prix was that sonoda um came p4 he out exactly. first of all he out qualified yeah. gasly and then he outraced gasly which was honestly i hope the momentum continues because i can see sonoda being a world championship contender in the future just because he's so young he's so talented and we need to remember he was he was pushed up by red bull at the end of the day and we know how ruthless they are but the fact that they re-signed him for this year uh for next year is a very big thing because we know red bull aren't going to change their mood they're going to be the most cutthroat driver academy in f1 but yeah yeah the fact that he's I mean, shown them enough confidence to for them to keep him is a very good thing yeah i mean if you look at performance between pierre gasly and sonoda pierre gasly years of experience in formula 1 and years of experience working with the team alpha tauri while sonoda just the first year and at many occasions was able to match gasly or actually outperform him back in the season finale so a lot of talent a lot of potential for sonoda and he easily takes the first spot in terms of rookie rankings now yeah. on to transfer rankings so Take that will be yeah daniel rick i think before discussing them Sands. let's put forward our rankings because that will make it a little more spicy for our viewers for transfers yes yeah okay so i mean let's let's start with worst it's either daniel ricardo or sebastian vettel just it's it's not because they drove particularly bad i mean they did drive uh fairly they, okay they were not up to the mark yes not yeah. up to our expectations considering their previous performances daniel ricardo in reno he wasn't that good car travels couldn't adapt to he the car to in that, reno so. or in mclaren but, yeah, but somehow he did somehow he wanted more so i i don't understand how <laughs> i mean plain just... luck i mean just plain luck and verstappen crashing so yeah i think one thing about daniel ricardo that really um stood out for me was everyone hyped him up to be the new team leader for mclaren the race winner with mclaren okay yes he was a race winner with mclaren but the fact is he was consistently um shown to be horrific in the car when compared to his teammate lando norris and i think lando norris was in the fight for um i think p3 then he lost the p4 and p5 i think he just lost out to carlos sainz for best of the rest speaking of carlos sainz let's just talk about the spaniard honestly in my eyes I mean, brilliant yeah you mean from mclaren to ferrari a huge jump in teams a huge du- jump in car performance and he actually outperformed his teammate um teammate and he like his teammate has been in ferrari for a long time he's actually been dubbed the future ferrari world champion and carlos sainz a rookie in ferrari not a rookie actually first time with ferrari he actually outperformed his teammate he did far more consistent yeah i mean Leclerc had so many DNFs while 
science just was consistent throughout. I think that just put him on top of Leclerc. I think one of the highlights of these DNFs would obviously be Monaco. Because um, if you guys do not remember, um, Charles Leclerc actually crashed in the formation lap from pole position at Monaco. And we all know how easy it is for someone to out to overtake at Monaco. What happened to Carlos Sainz in that race? He got a podium. So that was a major show of how even though Charles Leclerc may have been the better driver, Carlos was the better Carlos, performer in this yeah, Ferrari. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And last two rookies, Perez who moved from Force India, which is now our Aston Martin to Red Bull as the second driver. I mean, according to me, Perez was the best teammate that Red Bull could hope for with Verstappen. I mean, at least in the second half of the season. Had a bad start of the season, but adapted really well to the car the second half and was competing with competing for the third place consistently. Sure. Yeah, I would completely agree. He did very well to support Verstappen in the end. For me, it was very funny because when he got signed, so obviously he won Sake, but um, at Sake, but he knew he w- wasn't going to get a seat because Aston Martin or at that time Racing Point had signed Sebastian Vettel and Lance Stroll. A very funny thing was a lot of people, when they heard that Perez was actually going to Red Bull, a lot of people were skeptic about his performances because let's remember in the F1 community, that second seat is still considered cursed. Because if you look at the performances of Alex Albon, Pierre Gasly, no one could replace Daniel Ricciardo. But the irony is, he left. Yes, he struggled a little bit. But at the end of the day, he had a very good performance. He wasn't uh, beaten by any other drivers except Bottas, Hamilton and uh, Verstappen, which was compared to his uh, to the other people who sat in that seat was really impressive. It's very hard to say, but for a uh, second seat at Red Bull, that was really impressive. And if you look at the team that he was removed from, Aston Martin, where did they end up? P7. They weren't even close to P6. That's how abysmal their performance was. So while many people said that uh, Checo was going to ruin his career by going to Red Bull, um, guys, he just proved himself. He just proved that he can get the best out of any seat. And well, we've seen that now. Becoming a uh, winning at Baku when um, Max just bottled it was, in my eyes, proof that Checo deserved to stay there for another year at least. I mean, such sweet words coming from a Mercedes fan. I mean, to stop Mercedes from winning the constructors' title for the eighth consecutive time, he could have just performed a little better and taken away the title. I thought that's one place of. I mean, I mean, I mean, Sergio Paris's main role would actually be at least in Red Bull's eyes, to just help Verstappen win, at least his first championship. Yeah, in, the, in that, he, he did very well in that. I, I just feel like, they just top it all off. It would have been. Botas clearly outperformed Perez. That's completely true. But then again, we need to remember, this was Botas's fifth season at that team and Perez's um, first on the curse seat. So, yes, Checo has to improve. Next year, again, he has to improve. He's not going to be kept um, back there if he doesn't improve. But the fact that he performed towards the end, that defense on Hamilton, it reminded me of Alonso's defense in Hungary and we know how good that was. Yeah. I mean, now too much gloating on um, Paris. Now on to Sebastian Vettel. 
वी नो फोर टाइम वर्ल्ड चैंपियन ग्रेट ड्राइवर फ्रॉम फेरारी वेर यू स्किक्ड आउट टू एस्टन मार्टिन सो एस्टन मार्टिन हैड अ रियली बैड कार नॉट एज बैड एज हॉस ऑफ कोर्स बट दे हैड अ बैड कार टू से द लीस्ट सो व्हाट डिड सेबास्टियन डू आई मीन ही ऑब्वियसली डिडंट स्कोर अ लॉट ऑफ पोडियम्स नॉट नॉट मेनी विंस दैट वी यूज्ड टू वाइल ही वाज वर्ल्ड चैंपियन I think I Sebastian think... did his job there because at the end of the day if we look at any interviews from um the strolls there uh, they only wanted um Sebastian to be there for the experience he brings because let's remember he's a four-time world champion and he's a multiple grand prix winner he's won at Toro Rosso he has won at Red Bull obviously his four championships and then at Ferrari the amount of experience he brought to the team I think is what um is one of the greatest things he can bring to the team yeah, yeah. i think experience I mean, factor was played a big part in improving I mean, the team i mean pretty much sub sub sebastian's role in aston martin at least for now so i mean on to the actual races now so the two races that were really really worth talking about would be sochi and brazil at least in our eyes so Brazil if you think Brazil the sole highlight of Brazil or the main highlight would be Hamilton's driving just shows his yeah. skill his skill set just shows his experience i mean coming back from so many penalties and just a rear wing failure i mean he in the sprint race from the back of the grid to fifth and taking a five place grid penalty on top of that in the actual race starting from 10th to winning it just amazing essentially yeah, he I won think. with a 25 place grid penalty in my eyes and i think brazil showed why hamilton is a seven time world champion because after mexico everyone wrote off that this is going to be an easy win for verstappen as hamilton has no way to come back there's no way hamilton can perform so well but guys he's a seven time world champion he's been behind um in other in other championships but he's always come up and that lion drive it's kind of ironic yeah. because verstappen's no uh, symbol is a lion but that lion drive honestly it what it showed why he's a um a champion why he's a seven time world champion yeah i, yeah. I think even bottas did a pretty good job in sprint race you, you know he he kept verstappen within his limits you know yeah if only he I did mean, that the only other <laughs> the only other major thing would be kind of how Verstappen pushed Hamilton out. I'm saying pushed with like double quotes on it because it depends on where you from which perspective you look at it. I mean, Hamilton fans obviously saw that as an illegal move, but even the race director felt that okay, that is just a let them race stance that he took. So depends on how you look at it. In my Not opinion. the whole stewarding <laughs> thing and brazil itself could get its own podcast because that's how much like there was to talk about so guys if you want to see that podcast please tell us we will most definitely do it but come on let's talk about our other interesting race and i'm and i really never thought sochi and interesting would come in the same sentence because that's sochi's history <laughs> i mean i mean sochi is much more of a like at least what you're going to talk about now is like more of upsets or stuff which went bad for example flooding of the paddocks during the f2 race i mean you never expect an f1 race circuit to be flooded right 
And I mean, the drivers also, they kind of crashed. They did mistakes. For example, Hamilton just crashed, not like while trying to get a fastest lap or anything, but while entering the pits. That was so honestly that, comical. It, it was, yeah, he just like, he just nicked the side, this wall, right? And yeah. he damaged his front wing and Bottas was right behind him. So he kept him waiting too. It was a yeah, huge bladder on his part. That is sure one how delicate F1 cars are. I mean, at least the, I would say delicate, but how hard it is to control them in hard conditions. And that ended up ruin, ruining Bottas's um, attempts for. Not only Bottas's, but if we look at it, some people who actually loved to hear that Hamilton bottled the entry were the guy, the three guys who were in front of him. Yeah. 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 Honestly, I mean, seeing a McLaren on pole, I was honestly surprised because not on not few years ago when Alonso was in that team, they were at the back of the grid, which was honestly with a team with such history that was really heartbreaking to see. But this season has shown comebacks are there. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, Ham from Hamilton from P4, he at the end, managed to take the win because of a bad strategy call from Norris. I wouldn't say bad strategy call, but lack of communication between the pit wall and the driver itself uh, during the rain caused McLaren to ro- uh, lose out on a second uh, first place yeah. this season. If Lando had won that, that would be a back-to-back win because I believe just before that we had Monza, right? With the McLaren 1-2. Exactly, McLaren one two was like yeah. heavenly for them. It, oh, if only they could. It could have, it could have been that must hurt. <laughs> yeah, that must really hurt. So, I mean, races. As far as races are concerned, these are the top two highlights for us. Now, if we talk about F one as a whole, we really see a huge influence of the Middle East this season, like Bahrain, Yas Marina. They all kind of show how F1 is moving towards a, di- a different direction due to the Middle East money, the oil money. I mean, Bahrain, for example, it's a good track. Even maybe it can even be a season opener if Australia doesn't return. It contributes a lot to F1 as a whole. I mean, the Bahraini marshals. We should know that the marshals aren't paid. I mean, these Bahraini marshals really step up and go to different countries to marshal and help out other circuits. One thing that was very interesting with um, uh, F1's move to the Middle East is if anyone, anyone has seen F1 in the past, it's always been a Eurocentric thing. You always had this long European um, leg where or Europe would get uh, races at good timings, but the rest of the world, either you wake up in the middle of the night and watch it, or you don't watch it at all. But the fact that yeah, now I mean, we are seeing more races in the Middle East is honestly just shows how much influence companies like, obviously, the sponsor of Aramco, Aramco has. If we need yeah. to see one thing, like Pranav said, Bahrain. Bahrain shows the good influence of F1 of uh, the Middle East on F1. But let's talk about the bad. And who better to talk about than Abu Dhabi? Anand, what are your views on Yas Marina as a circuit? Uh, I don't know. I'm, I mean, I don't, see, one thing is, 
I didn't think it was a good idea to keep it as the final race of the season. That, that's a, I think that's the biggest thing we can agree on. It should not. I mean, it didn't deserve it. Long place. It did not deserve that position. And it, I mean, the track itself, it seems very unfinished, unprofessional on their part. It, there's a lot of improvement still needs to be done on it. Yeah. I think the fact I mean, that um, for Abu Dhabi, they prioritized having a hotel rather than making it good for racing just shows um, the view of the Abu Dhabi government towards F1. And honestly, no, no, more than you, Adi, Adi, more than views, it shows the priorities, right? I mean, for them, F1 is kind of more about money than racing as such. That's How absolutely you profit true. from F1. It's a good contrast with the Bahrain versus the Asmarinas. Yeah. I mean, yeah, different countries, different views. I mean, different priorities, right? I mean, yeah. speaking of improvements, a person who needs huge improvements is Massey, Michael Massey. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> I think we're a little short on time for that, and this can be our own podcast. So I think rather than this, guys, if you want uh, us to talk about Massey, please put it in the comments. We will most definitely do one. But I think let's finish this podcast off with something that's close to our hearts, the personal highlights. Guys, what were your personal highlights? I mean, simply... My personal highlight was Brazil. Hamilton coming back from multiple penalties. I mean, for a total of 25 penalties and pure bad luck with the driving failing by just 0.2 millimeters. And his it, it just shows how why he deserves to get more championships even and surpass Michael Schumacher. Anand? Yeah, I think uh, my first... I don't have a particular highlight. I thought, I mean, for me, one of the good races, entertaining races was Abu Dhabi. Of course, I mean cliffhanger of a race it was a very i mean all the confusion in the race it, it it quite prettily summed up the entire season with how marcy was treating the entire race and the rivalry between hamilton and verstappen i think another good race was pretty, uh, pretty good race was definitely indefinitely because it, it set the tone for the entire season because it, it really displayed the kind of rivalry between verstappen and hamilton and how close competitors they were in in skill Adi, what about you? Uh, for me, it's between Turkey and Monza. As I said, guys, I'm an admitted Botas fan. There are not many of us. But honestly, for me, Monza was a, a, a highlight for many reasons. First of all, obviously, um, Botas being given another engine, uh, one of his six engines, and he had to start from the back, obviously. And the fact is that in the sprint race, not only in the sprint race, but even in um, the main race, in the sprint race, obviously, he started uh, from pole and he ma- maintained it. And he got those extra three points that Merck require for the Constructors' Championship. But the main highlight was obviously the race. We obviously had the Hamilton West Arpen thing that if you guys want, we'll discuss later. Then you had the McLaren victory. But one thing people keep forgetting is there were three people on the podium there. Hamilton wasn't there. The lead driver wasn't there. It was Botas who took P3 from the back of the grid. And honestly, looking at Botas's history, he hasn't been well on the Monza circuit. But this weekend just stood out considering the fact that he out-qualified Hamilton, Verstappen, and even Perez, even though he didn't have a toe which really showed the true pace he has. Hopefully he does well 
at um, Alfa Romeo. But why Turkey? Turkey, um, Bottas was there from the start. Yes, he didn't out-qualify Hamilton. Hamilton had a great penalty. But Bottas in 2020 in Turkey was horrific. Horrific, I'll say. But he showed that he is a great driver. And in one of his weakest conditions, the wet, he managed to hold off Verstappen and had a very sizable lead against him. So while his teammates struggled to get positions, um, I believe um, Botas did an excellent performance there. Yeah. I mean, this I season, think lot of... Hamilton couldn't have hoped for a better teammate than Botas. He's been excellent yeah. in all the years. The five years. Hopefully, Joe's money helps make a good car for him. Yeah. yeah. I mean, Botas will be dearly missed in the Mercedes garage. I mean, such a lovable driver. I mean, if it's he might not be your favorite driver, but he's definitely one of your top, one of your top drivers. I mean, he's so lovable, good racing skills. Pity he had to be Mercedes' number two driver. Yeah, yeah. But guys, I mean, with that, I think we should call it an end to this podcast. Guys, if you want more, whatever topics you want us to cover, put it in the comments. We would love to hear from you. Yeah. Anand Pranav, do you have anything else to add? I mean, this, so this, this, season, <laughs> this season can't be summed up on one podcast. So just stay tuned. We'll release a couple of more episodes. Yeah, for sure, we're coming up with a second one to discuss the future of F1 in the 2022 season. That's definitely there. But I think, yeah, we're going to record that soon. But apart mm. from that, any other ideas? Yeah. Please tell I us. mean, one, one thing worth mentioning is we're just losing such lovable drivers like Kimi Raikkonen, I mean, Antonio Giovinazzi. I mean, those drivers literally, we are one retired because he has achieved what he wanted to achieve with the sport. Now they're just lost out because of money. So yeah, that's one thing we, which we need to touch upon in the next podcast. But guys, remember, this is not only an F1 podcast. We are going to have other uh, topics also. So if you are interested or if you have friends who are interested in this, please tell them. Because the more subscribers we get, the uh, more podcasts you guys will get. It's a deal or no deal, just like Jeddah. Mm. Yep. <laughs> so on that note, bye guys. Signing off. Signing off. <laughs>